We welcome in Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff back to the show. Uh, morning, Stephen. How was the all-star break in the game and the festivities in Toronto this weekend? Honestly, a lot better than I was uh, expecting. I was kind of dreading this week. It's, it's never fun when the events come in your own city, but uh, I'd say that was a lot more fun than I was expecting it to be. What was it that you that kind of drew it to drew the you know everything like the whole experience? What was it that uh, you kind of have that uh, assessment? Well, the the actual on ice action was pretty good. Um, the skills competition was significantly better than we're used to. The game was worth watching for the most part. Um, I, I'd also say like everywhere I went. People were buying into it, uh, whether it be you know going to restaurants or people wearing hockey jerseys, um, going outside at seven o'clock in the morning, and there's a bunch of people walking around getting ready just to get going to the event. So uh, it, it just felt like everyone cared about the event. The celebrities helped there, and I think just all that combined just made it a success. Do you think it really started th- uh, Thursday, Steve? I guess with the draft, and then everyone kind of got into it from there and sort of just I guess snowballed from there. I'd argue it kind of started Wednesday night okay. when we saw the big Elias Lindholm trade because the, the people were talking about that. People were excited about that. And then, yeah, Thursday through the draft, which was pretty rough to watch in person, and then the uh, PWHL showcase. The fact that they made Thursday important this year, I think, really helped kind of just build into a bigger event. Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter on Sports 1440. With the news that all the news that happened away from the game, from the skills competition, like Todd McClellan, Jim Hiller, uh, the change in LA, and all that other stuff, did that just sort of add to the whole scope and spectrum of everything? For sure. You know, kind of just sitting around uh, waiting to kill some time on Friday morning and everything happened in a row. Uh, obviously, a ton of, there was a big trade, there was a big coaching thing. I, I thought the international hockey news, I know. That was huge, personally. I love international hockey. Being able to see best on best happen again is great. Uh, so the fact that we got so much news before noon was mm-hmm. on Friday was kind of nuts. But that got people talking. That led into the uh, Gary Bettman press conference later that day where he addressed a lot of things. And I think that just kind of made for an action-packed day, which, at least from, as a reporter, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we don't get a lot of days like that. What did you make of Bettman's uh, news conference? Uh, a lot of things on the table. There's no question about that. Yeah, you know, I'd say that uh, he probably wasn't a fan of the Hockey Canada stuff uh, kind of being a big part of this, of, of everything. Obviously, with uh, the news coming out later today with the press conference, but uh, you look at the, the news they started off with the two international stories, I think that at least helped him uh, kind of go into this and maybe not dreading it as much, but uh, I think they didn't say a whole lot on Hockey Canada because there isn't a lot they can say right now because it is a legal thing, but at least you know from the international hockey standpoint, I'm pretty happy with what they announced. Uh, just to let our listeners know, at noon will be the uh, news conference uh, out of London with London police uh, today at noon. So, uh, Stephen, in the sense of uh, the game itself, and the, well, the games, I guess you can call it, on, on Saturday afternoon, what was the vibe, what was the feeling like in the building? I, you know, there was a really good crowd. They said it was a sellout. Uh, definitely appeared to be like that. Uh, fans stayed for the whole thing, at least from the skills competition. That didn't seem to be the case, which I think was kind of disappointing because that I thought was pretty good. But the games itself, uh, it, it was pretty rough to watch that first one. But I think when people started, the players started to take it a bit more seriously as the game went on because, you know, there was money on the line. There was a reason for them to start caring. I think that kind of helped uh, pick up the pace a little bit. And then I think it really took team with the four Toronto players going out there and getting the crowd hyped up for everyone to kind of just ramp up the excitement there and we saw 
McDavid kind of lead the charge on a comeback win to get to the final. And uh, yeah, you get the two of the biggest stars in the game playing against each other. I think you can't ask for a better finish. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of Leaf haters, as you know, um, and everyone was kind of giving them the raspberries, a little bit of the business about the fact that, you know, they won this game. You heard what David Pasternak had to say. Do, do you feel that there as well? For sure. You know, obviously the Leafs, they got the one of the biggest hockey markets in the world, but it's also one of the most polarizing ones, even with its own fan base. So I think that was cool. You see Pasternak kind of hyping up the fans. You got Kucherov. Uh, I'm not sure what he was trying to do on Friday night, but then on Saturday he was in the crowd uh, to keep booing him, and I thought that was really fun. So, uh, again, the buy-in from the, the rivalry standpoint was good. I feel like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens aspect of it, when you've got uh, uh, Nick Suzuki there, he's just a quiet guy. He didn't really say a whole lot, didn't really do a whole lot. The fans didn't seem to care about him, but they were they were playing into the rivalries there. And, you know, McDavid got some of the biggest cheers of any player, and that's not the case when the Oilers come to town, but obviously with so many friends and family there at hometown, that kind of helped. Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff, our guest on Sports 1440. So, all right, we're done with the All-Star game, All-Star weekend. Uh, anything in particular catching your eye as we get things back uh, rolling tonight? A couple of games the Islanders are in Toronto. So anything, you know, on the top of the radar for you here as we uh, kind of unofficially start the second half? Well, I think it's just going to be interesting to see which teams at least tonight and tomorrow kind of start off the hottest because uh, you know, it, it's a long break for a lot of teams there. Uh, some teams are going to be having their bye week this week, but with this week, it's just trying to get back to the full speed. I, I always feel bad for the guys that play in the All-Star game, especially the ones that lose and kind of just feel like they wasted some time and then have to get right back into playing. But it'll be interesting to see kind of which teams react first. You know, the, the Islanders sent one guy in Barzell, the Leafs sent four. They didn't have to do any travel, but they were busy all week as opposed to taking a vacation. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And then obviously the Oilers, when they return, yeah. uh, how long can they keep the streak? I hope it goes as long as possible because I think it's, it's cool seeing a team do what they're doing right now. Where do you see, you know, staying on the Leafs here just for, for a moment, where do you see the Leafs kind of moving forward, in, you know, in the next, uh, you know, couple of weeks? Because there's still another, well, a month or so before the trade deadline, just a little over a month. But where do you see Toronto kind of moving forward here? I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East. We see their ups and downs every single season. I think with this year, uh, the key thing I'm looking at here is, like, what goaltending are they going to get the rest of the way? Uh, Ilya Stamptonoff has been at the absolute bottom, but then he played really good hockey before the break. Uh, Joseph Wolf still out, but he was the starting goalie for a while. Can he come back? Can he do that? Uh, a lot of questions on the defense, just, you know, reliability concerns. Sturry uh, and Oskampsonoff was a big reason why they kept low in third-period leads, but it didn't seem to matter what goalie was in that. The, the least blue line was hurting them just as much. So I think I, I still expect them to be one of the best teams in the East come the, heading into the playoffs, and the playoffs obviously are a whole other story with that franchise. But I think with them, they'll be just, and they put it all together. And I know that sounds simple, but, you know, they've got the talent to make it work. It just that talent playing every single game at their best has been a difficult thing for them. Stephen Ellis with us on Sports 1440. Is there a team out in the Eastern Conference that you think will be maybe a bit busier than others uh, come trade deadline here? I, I think, you know, you look at Tampa Bay and they're a team that's going to want to make sure that they – Keep this this run alive because they sign a lot of those guys to long term contracts, so they're going to want to be able to do what it takes to keep that run alive. I know the goaltending hasn't been great for them this year, which is typically not a normal thing, but I think you know 
at least the playoffs will be a good chance for a reset. But right now, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot the way they're playing. So there's that. And then I think Pittsburgh, they got to just it'll be interesting. You know, and there's been a lot of talk like, did Crosby be traded? I still don't think that's going to happen. But if they could somehow maximize some of those star players into a lot of good assets and then maybe bring back Crosby for a one off in two or three years type mm-hmm. thing uh, through free agency, I think that'd be huge for that franchise. So those are the two teams I'm looking at. Do you think Pittsburgh has, uh, you know, enough horses even right now to to make a push here? It's no. Uh, they they need some help here. Uh, they need to figure something out here. Uh, they traded away a lot of assets to get Eric Carlson, which was definitely the right move at the time, but they're not probably getting the value they want out of that one. Uh, so, I do they maximize and say, you know, what, we're trading Jake Gensel, we're writing this year off and try to see what we could do next year. They're going to have to trade a key player here if they're going to make a run in the next couple of years. Because the way it's heading, especially with the prospect pool, this is it's going to be really tough sledding for that franchise for the rest of Crosby's career, which is probably not what they want. Mm-hmm. Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. In the Western Conference, Stephen, any team in particular that you think is going to make a little bit more of a you know a, a push here trade wise uh, that we can maybe see them uh, really really you know overhauling a roster uh, moving forward here? I think the LA Kings kind of have to go all in here at this point because. They've got a lot of talent. This year started off great, and then it fell apart. And a lot of people pointed, myself included, at the goaltending heading into the season, saying, "Do can you really rely on this group?" And that has been a huge downfall for them uh, in recent weeks. And Cam uh, Talbot, we know he could play really well, but he can't play as much as he has this year because you know he's older. He's not. He has struggled some health issues the last couple of years. Like asking him to play as much as he has is not a good sign. So it'll be interesting to see if they go out there and get another goalie. Uh, I think, you know, they got some good prospects they can move. They're one of those few teams that are a contender that do does have a nice pipeline. They can uh, part with if they need to. I think they're not too far from being a serious contender. They just got to, you know, they just got to start selling the pieces off to try to make that happen. So, Keep an eye on the LA Kings. Do you think Calgary waits till closer to the deadline to make the moves that the Flames everyone thinks that they're going to make, or would they maybe you know kind of you know start a little sooner than other teams might expect? Well, I guess you know trading went home. That yeah. that shows they're ready to start moving when they can. And I think with Flames, it you, you gotta gotta react when the market reacts. And I think now that we've seen you know two big trades already in the last couple of days with Lindholm, with Monaghan, I think teams are going to start to try to attack earlier because you want to get these guys into your system early. We've seen often where these guys get traded for the deadline. It takes them way too long to get up to speed, and I think making those moves early is very important. So I don't think that's on Calgary to do that. I think Mm -hmm. that's on the other teams to come to them and make the move as quick as possible. And I don't think, again, there's a few guys that Calgary can move. I think a lot of them will move, especially Tano. They just it's when the teams are going to want to start making those moves, I guess. Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Steve, you do so much work with all the prospects and the younger players uh, coming down the pipeline here. Is there a player or two that uh, basically from the start of the year to your midseason rankings that has, uh, you know, maybe, you know, caught your eye or really increased his, uh, you know, his worth, I guess, moving forward here? Well, the one guy that I think a lot of people are going to be looking for at this draft is Ken Lidstrom, and uh, you know, six foot five forward, power forward, uh, someone that I was 
kind of looking at maybe a late first round pick at first. I know a lot of people said the same, and now some are wondering if he goes number two. And mm. uh, he plays over in the WHL, and he's been injured for a while this year. That didn't really help him there. He missed the CHL top prospects game, but you don't get guys that can shoot and score and be as mean as as Caden Lindstrom. Uh, again, with that size, mm. that really helps. He moves very well. He's kind of like he's kind of a perfect power forward in the, the sense of like. Maybe Matt Kachuk, but bigger type thing. So a lot of people think he can go number two, and I think that's pretty cool to see because, again, I love guys that are big that can throw hits and score, and, and he does it all. Stephen Ellis with us uh, on Sports 1440. From that prospects game, was there any player in particular in your mind that kind of uh, stood out for you to maybe push his stock moving forward? I think for me, a lot of people were looking at the net, and when Ryerson Leander is a goalie for the Mississauga Steelhead, there's no clear number one goalie in this year's draft, and I think that's just a kind of a sign that goaltending is so hard to draft to begin with. But Leander started off really well in Mississauga, kind of his play fell off a little bit, but in recent weeks, he's really picked it up again. The Steelheads, uh, they're they're in the news right now because their team's moving to Brampton next year, uh, but I, I think that he's been just outstanding for them recently and that CHL top prospects game I think he was the reason why his team ended up winning that so uh, I'd say he could be a goalie to watch it's, he's not a big guy but he's very athletic and I think that I think he's only six foot one, and I don't think that's going to slow him down in the NHL I think he's got the talent to, to really be a decent goaltender uh, Celebrini hands down still number one not even close Celebrini is yeah. the best prospect what uh, do you think he's his play uh, after World Juniors has uh, has he kept the level at the same or is he kind of sagged a little bit uh, where do you see him I think he's just been kind of consistent all year it's, okay. it's uh, the world juniors kind of show that he could play all scenarios and in Boston University that's just been kind of his thing all year long and he said uh, for, or during training camp that playing in field of competition always seemed to be the way to go for him because that's what pushes him and to get better and he's got some good teammates to lean on there and of course Lane Hudson the Montreal Canadiens prospect mm-hmm sending him passes all game long, so that helps. But I think that this is a guy that just can you continue to show that he's in his own class right now. He's not Connor Bedard level, but he's pretty damn good. Uh, anything you got in particular cooking on the daily face-off here in the next little bit uh, that our listeners can keep keep an eye on? I'm going to be at the uh, U18 Five Nations in Michigan for a few days, so I'll be looking at some of the top prospects, Sweden, Finland, Czechia, Switzerland, and uh, USA. So there'll be a lot of stuff coming out of that. Any uh, young players there that uh, you could kind of maybe share, shed some light on? Yep. So Cole Eisenman, one of the top prospects yep. in this draft. You know, he's got a shot that reminds me a lot of of Matthews, a lot of Steven Stamkos. So he's been good. He's been falling a bit in the draft rankings. But another one that I'm liking, EJ Emery, six foot four defenseman, continues to fly up the rankings. He'd be one of the best shutdown defensemen in this draft. So those are the two guys I'm keeping a close eye on. What's Eisenman? A l- little bit about him. What's uh, what's his story? Obviously, we know he's, who his uh, dad one is. Of the best, yeah. One of the best goal scorers you could possibly yeah. find in this draft. He's on pace for something like 70 goals. He's looking really good there. Uh, I think the big issue is he doesn't play a lot of defense, and that's what uh, people are looking at here. But he has a chance to set the record for most goals in a U.S. national team development program season, which Cole Caulfield had that record, and he's a, pre- he's a pretty good goal scorer. So mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty notable, I'd say. But uh, he's falling just because he doesn't play a lot of defense at this point. Hey, Stephen, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for hopping on today uh, and enjoy that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, First Nations there in, in Detroit. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much. All right. That's Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff.